Hey, this is Stephanie White, and you're listening to The Hashtag. Welcome back to the hashtag. This is our second episode here. It's uh, July 1st, 2016. We went to Banker's Life Fieldhouse in downtown Indianapolis, Indiana today, caught up with Indiana Fever and soon-to-be Vanderbilt Commodores head coach Stephanie White. If you're not familiar with Stephanie, which most of you are, I'm sure, but if you're not, she was the 1995 Indiana Miss Basketball and also the Gatorade and USA Today Player of the Year that year. She won the national championship with Purdue in 1999. It was also the Wade Trophy winner that same season for most outstanding women's college basketball player. She uh, was drafted in the WNBA by the Charlotte Sting, played a year with them and four with the Indiana Fever. She was an assistant coach with the Chicago Sky and the Indiana Fever, won the NBA title as the Fever assistant in 2012. She's been an analyst for ESPN and the Big Ten Network as as well as the Indiana Pacers and took over as the head coach for the Indiana Fever last year. They went 20-14 and and made a monster run to the NBA Finals. Just last month, she agreed to be the new head coach down at Vanderbilt. Um, Her former head coach, Carolyn Peck, is joining her staff down there. We talk about that. Tamika Ketchens last season here with the Fever and her retirement. And, of course, the recent passing of Pat Summit and how that affected not only Stephanie and Tamika but the basketball community as a whole. If you want to catch up with Stephanie on Twitter, she is at Stephanie White. That is her main social media program that she uses. She's also on Instagram at S underscore White J2. And recently just joined Snapchat, so she's still working on that. But it's S White J2 if you want to follow her on Snapchat, trying to step up her game there as well. So this is Stephanie White, again, joining us on a game day from downtown at Banker's Life Fieldhouse. But we appreciate her taking the time to talk with us here on the hashtag. Welcome to the hashtag. This is Jay. We're down in Indianapolis, Indiana at Banker's Life Fieldhouse with head coach of the Indiana Fever, Stephanie White. Uh, Stephanie, welcome to the hashtag. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, no problem. It's great talking to you. Um, you're in the middle of a, the Indiana Fever season right now. You just came off, I believe you're on a two-win streak, just beat the Chicago Sky a couple days ago. You have a game tonight against the San Antonio Stars here at Banker's Life Fieldhouse. How, how's the season going so far for you? It's, it's been a little up and down so far. Um, you know, we've had some injury issues. Uh, we had some players that came in late to, to training camp um, because we started a little bit earlier this year. Um, and, and, and we've, we've uh, integrated some new players into our system. So it's, it's taken a little bit of time for us to build our chemistry, for us to build our trust in one another, um, understand how to put each other in positions to be successful. Um, but as always, it is a process, and we know it's a process, and we also know that it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And so one of the things that we want to do every day is, is get a little bit better, is get a little bit more comfortable in our system, in building our identity a little bit more every single day. And I think that we've been able to do that. Now, last year was your first season as head coach. You guys had a 
pretty remarkable season. Made it to the WNBA Finals. Really wasn't expected to. Mm-hmm. Had a great run. What, what was that like in your first season as a WNBA head coach? It was really incredible. Um, you know, and, and it's it's interesting because you, you watch us in training camp and you, you think there's no way that, that, that they may not even make the playoffs, let alone go to the finals. But, you know, we focused on, on, on first things first, and that was – really implementing the style that we wanted to play, um, that was implementing the culture of we're going to take care of our teammates and we're going to make our teammates better. Um, and it was the process of, of growing and getting better every day. You know, I, it, we weren't getting focused on records. We weren't getting focused on numbers, um, rankings, you know, those kinds of things. We were just focused on our, our, our day-to-day improvement. Um, and, and, and that's the way that I like to approach it. Um, you know, I think if, if we're always striving to, to improve um, and, and we don't get focused on success and failure based on what other people think is success and failure, then we put ourselves in a position um, to win ball games and put ourselves in a position to be successful. And at the end of the day, um, that's all we can do. And the wins and losses will take care of itself. Right. And you're seven and nine right now, but you're only four games behind the New York Liberty who lead the Eastern Conference. So there's a long way to go. So. Long way to go. And, um, and, you know, I feel like we're starting to, to really hit our stride in terms of the way that we want to play. So we're in a good position right now. Excellent. Now, this is kind of a unique season in, in multiple ways because you're obviously going to be done at the end of the season taking the head coaching position at Vanderbilt. We'll get into that here in a little bit. But this is also Tamika Catchings last season who just had beyond words a phenomenal career, not only in the WNBA but in basketball. What's that been like being a part of that? Man, it's incredible. You know, I think back to um, – to the first time I ever saw Tamika catching. So I think she might have been a seventh grader. Um, I was a freshman in high school. We were playing in an AAU tournament in Chicago. And um, I'll never forget, she was just fiery competitive. She was angry about something. She threw the ball up against the bleachers. Um, and I was like, who's that kid? You know, that, ki- that kid loves the game. That kid's a competitor. Um, and, and, you know, it, to see her from that point, um, to watch her and play against her in college, um, to being her first roommate, uh, the year that we we drafted her with the fever to then go away and come back and be a part of the coaching staff. Um, it's been really incredible to watch her growth um, as a player. She's really I and mean, she's got incredible athleticism and incredible natural gifts, no question. But she's self-made because of her work ethic. You know, she she didn't come out a terrific ball handler. Um, she's worked on that. She didn't come out a terrific three-point shooter. She's worked on that. She's where she is because of her work ethic and her commitment to excellence. Um, to seeing her growth off the floor. You know, she comes in as a rookie, a shy, you know, kid who, who, who doesn't really like to speak in public, who doesn't really like to, to talk a lot, um, who led by example but wasn't a vocal leader. So then I come back and I see the growth in her, her, um, her brand. I see the growth in, in her community um, and her foundation and the way that she's speaking in public and the way that she's taken ownership of being a public figure um, and, her, and her leadership on the floor. And so it's just been really incredible to, to witness. Um, she's a once in a lifetime player that you get to coach. Um, certainly a once in a lifetime player that you get to be a teammate of. And I'm just really enjoying um, this journey with her. That's, that's great. And it's amazing. You've been like with her on so many different levels from a player to now a coach and everything. And if you want to follow along, um, the Indiana Fever Twitter account, at Indiana Fever, they have a hashtag going this season. It's hashtag 24 forever, kind of celebrating her season and, and her last year here in the WNBA. So. Yeah, and she's got a legacy tour going on, so she has tour dates all around the WNBA as well, so people need to come out and, and watch, get get, get a, affiliated with those. And um, what's really cool about the legacy tour is that she she gives back to communities. So she gives a $2,000 check um, to a foundation of, of, of her choice that she really partners with in that community and will follow up year after year with camps coming back and, and doing those camps in the community as well. That's great. I mean, that's phenomenal. Not only is she 
you know, celebrate, everyone's celebrating her career, but she's doing something to help out the communities as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Um, now, obviously, another kind of storyline with Tamika, obviously, we lost a legend in the basketball world in Pat Summit recently, and Tamika played for her and was very close to her. What's that, what's that been like, not only for her, but for you? I mean, I know you, you knew Pat in the, not only the women's basketball community, but the basketball com community in general. Well, it's, um, you know, for Tamika, obviously, you know, it, it's been incredibly emotional. Um, she, she was extremely close to Pat. Um, you know, Pat is, Pat is really one of the reasons that she's in the position that she's in, that Tamika is, because, because she pushed her to be her best and she challenged her on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's what she did for every athlete that came through Tennessee. Um, you know, she, she, challenged them in a way that they didn't like as players, um, but that they were able to look back on and say, she prepared me for life. And I think what Tamika is doing, not only on the floor, but off the floor, really is a, is a tribute to Pat's legacy um, and the mark that she made in, in her career. And so it's been extremely emotional for her. Um, you know, for me in the women's basketball community, you know, you're losing a legend. Um, and, and, you, and you're losing the person who fought for you, even if she didn't know you. She broke down gender barriers. Um, she demanded respect and equality for, for women's, not just women's basketball, but women's sports in general. Um, she, she paved the way for us to have the opportunities that we have today because she fought those battles. And she fought those battles in the 70s and 80s. And these are some of the same battles we're fighting in 2016. Um, you know, it's just a different, it's a, it's a different spectrum. Um, but it's just, uh, you, you want to go on and you want to be uh, a leader that Pat, like Pat was. You, you want to, to be that next generation of coaches, of, of players, um, of, of leaders that, that paves the way and that continues to fight and try to break gender barriers for, for the next generation. And I think that when you see what Pat Summit did and you think about the legacy of her career, you, you, whether you knew her or didn't know her, you really just want to make her proud. Um, and, and there's not many people in, in the world that have that kind of impact um, on a community the way that Pat Summit does. No, I agree. I mean, and I love that you and everyone in the women's basketball community is striving to be like Pat. There's never going to be anyone no. like mm -hmm. Pat, obviously. Now, do you think Tamika, after she's done playing the NBA, might follow in Pat's footsteps, maybe do some coaching? Is that in her future? She says no. Uh, she says no. You know, she, it, it's interesting when you have a player like Tamika who plays at a certain level and plays a certain way. I mean, what you see on the floor is what she does every day in practice. It's relentless. Um, you know, I, I look, at, look at other players in the league, and really the only one that I can, can compare her to is, is Maya Moore um, and, and, and probably Neka Ogumake in how hard they play all the time. Not when they feel like it, um, you know, not on the good days, you know, right. not all the time in practice and games, and, um, and, and it's rare. And so I think that she ha would have a hard time coaching players who don't have that mentality. Um, it can be very frustrating. And so, you know, she says she doesn't want to, but she also has a lot to give in the areas that she understands the game. She understands what it takes. And because she doesn't grasp the concept of not giving your best, and players want to make her proud in the same way that she wants to make Pat proud because you have such a respect for her as a person that she can have an incredible impact, um, you know, coaching at any level. Um, so I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what, you know, if she, once she, once she settles down and has a chance to really reflect and evaluate what, what five years down the road looks like for her. Right. I mean, nothing else. She might get in the booth, do some announcing. Absolutely. Some, you know, could do that. You've been down that road yes. as well. So <laughs> yes. Um, now, obviously big news for you. You're, taking over at the end of the season. Well, actually, you're 
already the Vanderbilt head coach, but officially taking over at the end of the fever season. And I kind of want to talk about it because it's kind of a unique situation. And I, and I respect what you're doing so much because you see so many people leave a position to take another position and kind of just abandon that program, whether it be in the middle of the season or whatever the case may be. But you're finishing your commitment to this to these players and to these fans and to this organization. And, and you just don't see that these days. And you know, I, I just wanted to say thank you for doing that, first of all. I thank think you. it's amazing because you just I wish more people would do that. Because obviously people are gonna move on to different positions. It's going to happen, but I think you're doing it the right way and I have the utmost respect. I know the Fever fans do for what you've done. Well, I appreciate that. It's It's been it's been incredibly unique as you mentioned, but you know, it, it wouldn't work without really both sides being on board with allowing it to work um, and, and, and both sides really working working together um, to, uh, to allow this to happen. So I'm incredibly grateful to the Pacer Sports and Entertainment and Indiana Fever and to Vanderbilt um, for allowing this opportunity to, to really happen. Right now, let's kind of go into that. Obviously, you're head coach of the Fever, but I'm assuming you're doing some stuff for Vanderbilt at the same time. Talk a little bit of how, how you balance that out. Yeah, you know, I think it was a little bit more difficult early just because you have to try to hire staff. You have to try to reach out to, to players and parents and, and, um, and, and, and recruits and coaches and things like that. So, you know, it was a little bit difficult to start. Um, but once I was able to get a staff in place, and, and my staff, I'm telling you, we, we just are incredibly lucky to have an amazing group of people. Um, you know, Carolyn Peck is, is the interim head coach and is down there and be, being able to do everything on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, you know, having played for her and having a, a communication style where I know that I can be transparent with her. She understands the way that I work. You know, she's been a part of, of, of what we've done here with Indiana, seeing it from a TV perspective. Um, so she knows the expectations. And to be able to get Kelly Camara, who I played with at Purdue, who, who is just an absolute bulldog in that she loves this game and she, she's a competitor and she wants to, to, to make players better and she wants to make teams better and she's, she's the ultimate student of the game. And Joy Cheek, who, who I think Joy is in a position to be a head coach very soon. Uh, you know, she's the, one of the best recruiters in the country. Um, obviously, she had a great career at Duke. She was drafted here, played here for a little while with the Indiana Fever. Um, so we have that connection as well. But, you know, most important for me is I, I wanted to get play, uh, people, coaches who I knew I could trust. Um, who I knew would work incredibly hard, but who were good people to be around. You know, you, you spend too much time to not enjoy the time that you have together. And I have an incredible staff. And now that they're on campus full time, I can take a step back from the day-to-day -day stuff and they get to handle that. And I can just focus on, you know, making calls to recruits and coaches. Um, I can watch, you know, our workouts. Um, thank goodness for, for, for all the different uh, areas that we have in technology to be able to Dropbox workouts that I can watch. I can send feedback. We can communicate daily on the phone, on conference calls FaceTime with athletes so it's really really been fun that's great that's great and you know I was going to touch on adding Carolyn Peck because your former coach and she's such a huge name in women's basketball and she's from Nashville so it's such a natural fit I when I first heard that she was going to be your associate head coach I was like this is going to be a monster I mean <laughs> they're going to build like a dynasty down here in Vanderbilt I was like I don't even know if the people at Vandy understand how huge this is so I mean what was it like when, when you called up Carolyn and asked her to be a part? Well, we had kind of spoke um, a little bit back and forth just over the, over the course of the years with, um, you know, both of us, I think, having an ultimate goal of getting back into college sports at some point. Um, you know, for me, I can't speak for Carolyn, but for me, it had to be the right spot. You know, it wasn't just any spot. Um, and when, when, when this opportunity arose and really knew that, that um, in order to make it work, like there had to be a plan in place to have somebody that could be there uh, while I was here that, that I could trust, um, that, that Vanderbilt could trust, 
uh, that had been in a situation where, where they could really run the team. And, you know, Carolyn, not only was she my coach and we won a national championship together, but she's a Vanderbilt grad. So, you know, I knew I wanted a Vanderbilt connection as well. And so when I called her and, um, and I asked her if, if she'd be interested, I mean, yeah, I didn't have to twist her arm. Yeah. You know, we, we just really had to, uh, to figure out how it would work how we could make it work and um and then and then kind of go from there and then fill in the pieces around she and I that we we wanted in terms of look we we know we have a lot of weaknesses cuz both of us have been out of the college game for a long time and we needed um staff members and team members that had strengths that were our weaknesses and we also wanted to be able to use our strengths to mold and to prepare future head coaches and so i think you know having a situation to bring joy and kelly in you know we we can we can give them you know, our knowledge and understanding and, and empower them and give them a little bit more of a voice than maybe they've had before. Um, and we can rely upon them to help us, teach us, um, you know, to get back into the, the recruiting, to get back into the day-to-day -day of, of social media, to get back into the day-to-day -day of, of life on campus. And so I think it's mutually beneficial. You know, I love our staff. Um, they're amazing. And, and we're just really excited to, to get going. It's going to be fun. I think, you're, I think you guys are going to build a really exciting program there. And I, I know I'm excited to follow it and see what's going to happen because I think it's going to be great. Thank you. Um, what's your schedule going to look like once the fever season's over? Have you looked at – obviously, you haven't moved down full-time yet, but I'm assuming you're going to move down full-time and get everything in place and just go right at it. Yeah, I'm not really sure what it's going to look like um, yet because, you know, it's, it's weird because, you know, the regular season ends for us, I think, September 21st um, and then, or September 19th or something like that. And then the playoffs begin, I think, September 21st. Um, and, and, you know, we could be done on the 19th. We don't expect to be. We could be done on the 21st because the new playoff <laughs> format, it's one game in the first round and it's win or lose. It's one game in the second round and it's win or lose. And then the semifinals is a best out of five, and the finals are a best out of five. So we could go all the way to October 20th, which is the last possible day. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll be looking at homes, um, trying to get something that's in place for whenever that day may come. Um, you know, it's, it'd be interesting to see if Michelle and the kids will, will, will want to move down a little earlier to get it set in preschool and right. things like that. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's it, nothing is going to happen until we're finished here with the fever. And um, for, for all intents and purposes, we'd like that to be, you know, October 20th. Obviously, you hope that becomes a problem. <laughs> Absolutely, <right>? yes. <laughs> yeah, no, it just kind of put into perspective when you guys won the national championship at Purdue. I was actually at that game, took my infant son who wasn't even won yet. He turns 18 tomorrow. Oh, my gosh. I know. Jacob turns 18 tomorrow. What Does it even, like, register in your head that you've been in this business for so long? I mean, 18 years, and now yeah. you're starting a new chapter that I think is going to be probably the best the best part of your career. So. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting because you look back on that, and, and, and sometimes my life as a player just it feels like it was a different person. You know, it's almost like you're looking back and, and that was totally somebody else. Um, and it doesn't seem possible. And I think why it doesn't seem possible is, and, and you know, you, you get this a lot with, um, with being in coaching. It's like, oh, well, you haven't been coaching that long and I've been coaching for like 12 years or whatever. It's 13 years, whatever it's been. Um, but at the same time, the level of experience that I was able to get as a player, playing for national championships, playing in the WNBA against the best players in the world, coaching in college, and then coaching in the WNBA with – some of the best coaches in the world, with and against the best players in the world, like the strategizing that you have to do on a day-to-day -day basis. I mean, it's, it's the best preparation. It's absolutely the best preparation um, because you're dealing with managing people, which is what you always deal with, right. no matter whether it's recruiting or no matter whether it's your players um, here or in college and, you know, administrators. I mean, everything. It's about, it's about managing people. It's about communication styles. Um, it's about adapting and adjusting. It's all the life skills that you learn as a player 
Um, you just look at it through a different lens as a coach. And so um, to, to think about the experience that I've been able to gain in, in the pros as a player and a coach, you know, collegiately when I was coaching in college, working, you know, with a lot of different coaches, playing for a lot of different coaches, uh, you really get to pick and choose, you know, what you choose to, to utilize that you gain from these people and what you choose to, to put away and say, I don't ever want to be that. Um, and I think it, it helped me really find my way as a head coach. That's great. That, that is phenomenal. It just, I, I look back and I can't believe it's been that long. I know. Just, I can't believe it's been that long. I can't believe it. I feel so old. So yeah. Old. <laughs> yes. I agree. We do. We are. Uh, We're we, old. We are old. Um, now, let me ask you this. Uh, obviously, the, the hashtag we like to talk about social media. So let's get into that a little bit. Talk a little bit about, I mean, obviously, you're, you're coaching paid professionals now. So there's a little more leeway in the social media aspect of it. Obviously, you're you're making the change to a collegiate program where you have to worry about NCAA violations, the program's image, a lot more aspects. You know, players aren't paid, they're mm -hmm. part of the program. Some college programs don't regulate their players' social media at all. Some go to the extreme of having blackouts during the season. I just didn't know if you'd had any thought of, A, well, I guess I want to ask first, what do you do now with your players? Are you involved at all in their social media? Do you guys have social media training to kind of like point them in the right direction, that sort of thing? And then, have you put any thoughts to how you're going to sort of, I don't want to say micromanage that, yeah, right. but you know yeah. what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, I know Once what you, you mean. Once you get the Vandy. Um, we, we do have social media training. Um, we have it here. Uh, they have it at Vanderbilt. I'm sure most colleges have it as well. Um, we, we talk about, you know, what's acceptable and what's unacceptable. Um, and more than anything, we, we talk about the fact that, look, you're not only representing yourself and your family, you're representing our organization. Um, you're representing, you know, y your teammates, your, your, your coaching staff, all of our family here um, as well. And so don't put anything out there that you don't want your mom and your grandma to see. Um, don't put anything out there that, that, that would, um, you know, put your teammates at risk and, and, and just, just be smart about it. And, and for the most part, you know, we are. Um, but, you know, th there are a lot of things that I think that, that the players um, should have an opinion you know, players, whether it be social issues, whether it be, um, you know, no matter what it is. I mean, I, I, I want free-thinking players that, that have a voice. You know, I, I don't want to suffocate players to where they feel like the only, the only message that's coming out in social media is my message or the organization's message or the school's message. Um, because you don't prepare future leaders by not giving them an opinion. Right. And, um, and so that's important to me as well. Um, I, I haven't thought a ton about what's going to happen at Vanderbilt. I follow our players on social media now, and they're all, you know, very, very mature in their comments and um, very professional in their comments. It's um, a good start. Then. It's a good start. It's a good start. Um, but again, you know, I think it, we, we talk about who we're representing um, and how we're representing representing one another. Um, we talk about there's a time and a place to use your voice. Um, and we also talk about, you know, preparation for being the best that we can be on the floor and off the floor. And, you know, if somebody's tweeting or Instagramming or Snapchatting at 3 o'clock in the morning, they're not pre presenting themselves in the best possible situation right. to, to be the best student they can be, to be the best athlete they can be, to be the best teammate they can be. Um, and, and so I think that, you know, all of those things come into play. Um, and so I'll have to give that a little more thought. Yeah. Well, let me, let me go in the other end of this and just ask you a question. I've, I've always had this thought. With the way recruiting is in college now, let's say you're star athletes. They have so many choices, and the difference between going to one program or another may be the most minuscule things. Do you think it's going to get to the point where, or maybe it already has got to the point where, let's say uh, Miss Indiana basketball is down to going to Vanderbilt or 
whatever school. Mm -hmm. And one school has a very strict social media policy, blackouts, whatever the case may be. And you know how it is these days with kids. They're on, they, we were just talking before we started. My son uses Snapchat like I used to use text, mm -hmm. you know. And if I was to tell him that, Like hey, we used to use the rotary dial. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I mean, if I told him that you could go to one of these two schools and they're pretty much the same and your opportunities are going to be the same, but, hey, this one, you can't use any of your social media during the season. I mean, it might get to the point where that affects recruiting decisions. I mean, obviously, that's an extreme example, but do you think it eventually might get to that point? I think it's very possible as much as, as, as everyone uses social media. Um, you know, I'm not sure that that's um, a question that's asked very often when you are going through the recruiting right. process, I think probably more likely you get there and all of a sudden it's like you can't use your social media during the season. What? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I doubt that it's really asked that much right now. Um, but I think it can get to that point. There's no question about it. I mean, it's just like, you know, if, you, if you're choosing a school because they wear Nike or you're choosing a school because they wear another brand or you're choosing a school because, you know, of their colors or their locker rooms or their whatever, um, you know, I think there's, there's, a, there's an opportunity um, for that to come up. You know, I think it's always still good, too, when, when, when you have a solid foundation and, and you have people around you that can put things into perspective. I mean, it's four years of your life right. um, versus the next 40 years of your life um, and, and, and figure out where, where the best place for you is. But at the same time, you know, we can utilize it to, to watch recruit, recruits and, and what things that they're communicating and the things that they're saying and the things that they're doing. Um, because, you know, we want a certain fit for our program. It's not just taking the best players all the time. It's taking the players that fit what we're about, um, taking the players that are going to be selfless players, that are going to work incredibly hard, that are going to put your teams in position to be successful. And that's something that I learned when we were at Purdue because we weren't the most talented. We didn't have the best individual players, but we had the best team and we sacrificed for one another. And that's what it takes to win. Right. Nowadays, players come to Vandy to play there. It may not be everyone's goal, but the goal is to make the WNBA. You know, mm -hmm. That's what to play professional basketball. Not everyone's dream, but that's some yep. people. Are, and social media is a branding aspect mm -hmm. of that. So well, it's it, realistic. You know, yeah. when I was playing, it wasn't realistic. Now it's realistic. You know, you if you want to be a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, or whatever you want to be, an architect, you can you can always do that now after you play if you want to play. Right. And so it's it's a realistic opportunity. These young players now have never known life without the WNBA. Um, and so whether it's here or playing overseas, in the, the opportunity is there for them to develop in every aspect of their life. Academically, to put yourself in a position to, to get whatever your quote-unquote real job is going to be. Um, and, and you have a short window of opportunity to play. So if you want choose to play professionally, to be able to develop in your skill set enough to put yourself in that position to play for the next, you know, whether it's one year, two years, three years, or like Tamika, 16 years. Right. And then she's going to have to get a job. When she's done playing, yeah. you know, it's not the millions. Um, so she's going to have to get a job. But her, she graduated in three years. She got her master's while she was still at Tennessee. So now she's in a position for life after basketball. But she's been able to use basketball to build her brand, to, 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 to be able to put herself in position to network with people she would have never had the opportunity to network with. And now she can pick and choose what she wants to do. Yeah. I have a feeling she's going to get some offers. It's incredible. So. <laughs> it's incredible. This, this game is, is, is such a vessel for anything that you want to do with life after sports, but it gives you the platform to make connections and meet people and do things that you would have never had the opportunity to do. I agree. I agree. So a little off topic here. Vanderbilt, kind of famous for their basketball court. 
Yep. Have you uh, thought about how you're going to handle the elevated <laughs> court, baseline, sidelines? You know, it's funny you should mention that because <laughs> when I was down there, I think last week or the week before, um, I actually had a meeting with Bryce Drew. We were talking about some mm-hmm. things, and um, and I asked Bryce, I was like, Bryce, so, you know, when you do practice, are you going to practice th- standing on the end line? Are you going to um, – and he's like, you know, I, I don't really know because, you know, we, so both of us are pacers. Like, we're pacers. Like, right. we pace up and down the floor. Um, I'm going to have to work on my communication. I think, you know, one thing too, and, and one of the, the areas that, that we want to go to with our program is that we want to teach them how to make plays and not necessarily run plays. So I, I will build and earn trust in our, in our players to be able to allow them to, to free think and to call some things and to do some things on their own. Um, but that's going to be a process, right? That's going to be a process. So we'll, we're going to have to figure out our communication style, whether we're using you know, cards or yeah. things like that or whatever. It's going to be different, that's for sure. Well, and if you don't know what I'm – if you're listening and you don't know what I'm talking about, Vanderbilt's court and, – and correct me if I'm wrong, but the players sit on the baseline mm-hmm. as opposed to the sideline. Yes. And it's an elevated court where you're basically kind of like Minnesota's arena where you have to step up. Like, you have to work to get up on the court. Like we used to at Purdue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Same thing. So, you know, so it's a unique situation. And it doesn't seem like that big a deal, but when you're used to coaching mm-hmm. or playing and having the sidelines, like, near midcourt or free throw line If you extended, watch me, I'm at half court all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You're out of the coaching box Exa- all I'm the time. always <laughs> out of the coaching box. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be unique. And it's kind of – it's just fun because it's the only – it's the only arena in college basketball I can think of that's like that. Yeah. So. It's unique. Now – Coming up, we have a in the fever season, we have a unique situation. July 21st, you guys actually go on an Olympic break until August 27th. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and what you guys do during that. Yeah, you know, it's um, every four years, which the last time we had an Olympic hiatus um, was 2012, and we won the championship that year. So, of course, we want to, you know, repeat. But, right. uh, no, I, you know, it's, it's, um, it is an uh, Olympic year, and that makes it very unique. So we will take a, a, a hiatus um, from the season, from games anyway. Um, Tamika will go on with Team USA uh, to Rio and compete for her fourth gold medal. Um, Natalie Achanwa will most likely be a member of Team Canada um, and, and as well. So, so those guys will, will most likely be gone. Um, what we utilize that for in practice time is players get some time off. Um, practice time, we sort of go back to the basics. We work on our fundamentals. Um, we, we really work on player development because we never have a chance to work on player development. Our players leave here, go overseas, come back from overseas, and we're, we're one week of training camp and into the season. So we, we don't have a lot of time to work on individual fundamentals and player development. So we'll do that. Um, and quite frankly, it's miserable because all you do is practice for three and a half, four weeks. And, and nobody likes that. Um, so we give them time off. You know, we, we, we do some fun things in there. Right. Um, we'll, we'll do some workout Wednesdays on Georgia Street out, out there. We'll, we'll do some spin classes. We'll do some boot camps. We'll try to do some fun things <laughs> together. Um, and we'll take, you know, the opportunity to get our players out into the community do some community service events and and really connect. Um, and so it's 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 unique. We come back um, and 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 we really start the season over again, or the last third of the season, beginning August 27th, and then straight into the playoffs. That's great, and it's great you guys are involved with the community. I know you recently just had a the bowling fundraiser, mm-hmm. which is like which is like a half mile from my house. I didn't even know you were up there. I would have come over. You just did a charity softball tournament. Mm-hmm. I saw Andrew mm-hmm. Luck was there who just signed a monster deal. Yes, how like, about that? Yeah, that's crazy. So, And apparently I'm listening to all the sports things, and they're, apparently they're saying he could have got more, but leaving room for the team to build. So, it's incredible. Yeah, he's it's just incredible. the most selfless guy. Yes. It's amazing. And that's a guy who I think would be amazing to talk to from the exact opposite mm-hmm. aspect of social media because I want to know why – 
his reasoning why he's never on social media. Now, I'll you tell you what, I love it though because he's so he's just focused on his job at hand. He doesn't need to be validated by all of these things that social media allows you to be validated by right. the public. You know, he was almost embarrassed talking about his contract situation. I mean, the humility of this guy who who is going to go on to have a Hall of Fame career, um, who has you know a top-notch education, who's a, a great guy in the community, um, who's a wonderful guy to talk to, and who's extremely supportive of of everything in the city. I mean, it's just it's incredible. You know, he's a role model in himself and just the way that he lives his life. I love that, and I, I think he's the exact opposite of what you see from so many athletes mm-hmm. these days. And I just think it's like refreshing. And you know, I run a podcast about social media, and he's not on anything. Right. And I love it. You know <laughs> what I mean? But you need both ends of the spectrum. Right. So, well, I, we've taken up enough of your time. You have a game tonight. I don't want to keep you, but you know, I really appreciate you being on. And obviously, we wish you nothing but the best with the fever this season and on at Vanderbilt. So. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. That was Stephanie White on the hashtag. Thanks again to her for taking time out on a game day to speak with us down at Bankers Life Fieldhouse. Follow her on her social media. She On Twitter, she is at Stephanie White. On Instagram, S underscore White J2. And on Snapchat, she is S White J2. Also, be sure to check out the Indiana Fever on Twitter, at Indiana Fever. And she is going to be the head coach of the Vanderbilt Commodores. And the women's program Twitter account is at Vandy. WBB. Thanks also to the Indiana Fever and the Pacers organization for allowing us to go down to Banker's Life and speak with her today and providing us with the photos that we'll be posting on our social media. And we once again want to thank the band Mona for providing our promo music. Check them out on iTunes. We'll actually be catching up with them soon. We might catch up with Stephanie again because they are both located in Nashville. So once again, this is Jay with the hashtag, and we'll see you next time. Puny humans, this is Morbo the Newscaster. You have been listening to the hashtag, and therefore, I will not destroy you.